All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors. I thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Av, Max and Brenda Lapkowski, in honor of the upcoming Bar Mitzvah of their son, Yitzchak Meir, Dr. Riva Mitzner, in commemoration of the first yard site of her father, Dr. Larry Schenk, Arye Ben Chaim, Jack Bennett, in honor in, in memory of Sergeant Omer Taviv, who was killed by a Hamas anti-tank missile on the Gaza border on May 12th, 2021. We thank our Day of Learning sponsors, Alan and Sherry Steinmetz, in commemoration of the art site of Alan's grandfather, Mr. Sam Steinmetz, Rabbi Shimon Ben Yitzchak Isaac Sichron Levracha, and we thank our Dafiomi sponsors for this morning, Dr. and Mrs. Lossman, in observance of the seventh yard site of Anna Lossman, Chana Rachel Bas Avram Alter. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. And I will say with that, let us begin. We have a really exciting daf ahead of us, ahead of us today. Today's daf is Chof Gimel 23, and we are picking up Emir Hashem on Chof Beis Amud Beis, 22b at the Mishnah, at the Mishnah. I just want to also just mention, I know yesterday, good, better, good. So, so I, I've learned to read Sammy's facial expressions when it comes to the microphone. I think I could tell when I'm not the... Uh, I'm not quite uh, broadcasting correctly. I, I'm going to have to put a piece of tape down to see exactly where it's supposed to go. In any event, I just want to point out, we'll come back to it again, but we ended up yesterday, I felt a little bit of charot, a little bit of remorse, that uh, I was running out of time yesterday when we got to the last sugya in yesterday's daf, which of course was the sugya of making thick schach and therefore being unable to go ahead and see the stars. So again, I showed you the Shulchan Aruch, we went through that in the Shulchan Aruch together. I'll just point out there's more on that sugya. There is more on that sugya. In Merit Hashem, we'll have to find the time to come back and to, and to do it together. But with that, let's begin the Mishnah. So Mishnah Chav Beis and Beis 22b on the bottom. So the Mishnah says as follows, If a person goes in and makes his sukkah, on the top of a wagon or on the top of a boat. This is not a metaphor. This is literal. A person is going out and making their sukkah on these particular places. Now, what I want to point out is something very interesting. So, Rosh again, the visual is very simple. What's the visual? I think I sent out pictures, right, yesterday. There's not really, there's only two pictures in today's daf. And the truth is, they're not, uh, not especially helpful. And they're not even on this yet. But this, you could use your own powers of imagination to imagine what it looks like to build a sukkah on a wagon. And again, remember, where are you building the sukkah? On the flat part of the wagon. Now, here's what's interesting. The Lashon of the Mishnah is Barosh Hasfina. Now, if you look at Rashi for just a moment, ra- right, Rashi says over here, Ha'oseh Sukkah Barosh Ha'gala, Afagav Dimutantal of now both say, now what's the chiddush of saying that you could build your sukkah on the top of the on the top of the wagon? Because it's movable. Right? In other words, I will say, if you remember, if you notice, we've seen something very interesting. Perhaps the most interesting dialectic of sukkah is this, this back and forth, this tug of war between Diras Keva, Diras Arai. Right? On one hand, sukkah is clearly Arai. Right, it is a temporary dwelling, but on the other hand, on the other hand, there also are elements of it that are supposed to be keva, that are supposed to be fixed. So what Rashi's pointing out over here is obviously when you're building something on top of a wagon, it's metaltala, it's movable. Look at the next Rashi Barosha's 
Tvina. Rashi says, Shumokom Gavoa shall sina, Vayam Gavoa mode, Vain Harim Akif and Varuach shall let the Shamba Okarta. Now, what's interesting? Rashi says, Rosh Hasvina doesn't just mean on a boat, but rather it means on the top of a boat. So if you could imagine, again, you have a boat with multiple levels, you're building the sukkah on the top of the boat. Now, what's the Chiddush over there according to Rashi? The Chiddush is, there are no natural barriers to protect the sukkah from wind. So this is a, a, a wind-exposed sukkah. So again, we'll discuss this more in the Gemara. So there's two elements over here. Number one, you're building the sukkah in a, in a way in which it is non-fixed and non-stationary, right? It's moving. That's Aleph and Bays. At least in the case of the boat, you're building it in a way where it is more clearly exposed to the elements. But the Mishnah says, Kshera. Ultimately, again, in both of these cases, the sukkah is kosher. And Rashi says over here, why? Tidiras arai sagiba. Because again, sukkah is tidiras arai, temporary dwelling. Therefore, this is good enough. Va'olin la biyamtiv. And you're permitted to go ahead and access this sukkah on yamtiv. Now, both say, that's not a chiddish. The only reason the Mishnah is adding in this line is because of the next set of cases. Watch this. What happens if you made your sukkah in a tree? Made your sukkah in a tree. Now we'll discuss there are various iterations of that case. But you made your sukkah in a tree. Or you made your sukkah on top of a camel. You literally put your sukkah on top of a camel. Once again, the sukkah is kosher. Now, both say, take a look at Rashi just in a moment. If you go and you make your sukkah on a tree, or you make your sukkah on the top of a camel, the sukkah is kosher. However, there is a caveat. However, there's only one problem, which is you can't access the sukkah on yantiv. You can't access the sukkah on yantiv. Now, why not? Because you're not permitted to go ahead and get on top of an animal on Yamtiv, right? You're not permitted to ride an animal on Yamtiv, or even not ride, you're not permitted to mount an animal on Yamtiv, and you're not permitted to climb a tree on Yamtiv. Now, interestingly enough, it's the same Gezerah, right? You can't climb a tree, why? Lest you come to break off a branch. You can't mount an animal, why? Lest you come to break off a branch in order to go ahead and hit the animal for it to move. And even though, again, in this case, you don't want the animal to move, the sukkah is there. Nevertheless, it's a rabbinic, it's a rabbinic prohibition. It's zero. Salacha lamaisa, interestingly enough, in both of these cases, where you make the sukkah on top of the camel, you make it in the tree, the sukkah is going to be kosher. You just can't use it on yantiv. <laughs> Interesting. So, a totally kosher sukkah, just not usable on yantiv, but on chalamaid. It's going to be a great conversation piece, right? Chalamai, you can have your friends over. It's going to be fantastic. Now look at Rashi. Rashi says there is something very interesting. Kshira. Rashi says, L'cholo shomoid, v'yaf b'yamtiv im avar va'alala yatei dechavasa. Rashi just points out that we hear, by the way, you're not supposed to go into the sukkah yamtiv. But if you did, if you did, your yotz say the mitzvah. Now, we'll say that's an interesting statement and we'll discuss what that means. So Rashi saying, is like this. Let's say you did go into your camel sukkah or your treehouse sukkah on Yom Tiv, and you said Leshev basukkah. Have you made a bracha levatala? Have you made a bracha levatala? So right, it seems to be according to actually the answer would be no. No. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have gone in. But once you went in, you are yotze the mitzvah of sukkah. So just something, something we'll, we'll see that we'll see the halacha also. So the Gemara goes right there. 
the Gemara says, Shtayim bi'ilan va'achaz bi'di'adam. So now we're going to get into a couple of different variations regarding the tree sukkahs. So let's say you have a sukkah, right, where two walls, two walls are held up by the tree. Now, we'll say, now when it says Shtayim bi'ilan, it can be understood in one of two ways. Either two walls of the sukkah are fashioned from the tree, or the simpler case could also be two walls of the sukkah are held up by the tree. In other words, that the tree is an indispensable part of two walls of the sukkah. And one wall is called man-made. Or two of them. We'll say these pictures, by the way, are in yesterday's daf. You could look at the you could look at the PDF from yesterday's daf. They're there, but again, it, it, pretty, pretty pretty simple to pretty simple to visualize. Or two of the walls are man-made walls, and only one of them is dependent on the sukkah. Ultimately, again, the sukkah is going to be kasher. You just can't use it on the So what the Mishnah is highlighting over here is as follows. The fact that the sukkah is kasher, we're to learn that beforehand. What the Mishnah is adding in on over here is any time that the Iker sukkah is reliant on the tree, you cannot access it on Yom Tiv because that is considered to be hishtamshus bi'ilon. That is considered to be usage of the tree, which of course is going to be prohibited midirabanon on Shabbos and Yom Tiv. However, shalosh adam va'achos bi'ilon, but it's very interesting. Let's say you have three, let's say you have three walls of the sukkah that are man-made and, only, and a fourth wall, which leans or is dependent on the tree. So we'll say, just the image you have here, if you can imagine, you have a sukkah that's perched in a tree, but you have three long walls that extend down to the ground. So therefore, three walls of the sukkah are not reliant on the tree. It's not reliant on the tree. In other words, the, 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 they're, they're just long walls. A fourth wall, a fourth wall is dependent on the tree. So we'll say, what's the difference between that case and the previous cases? Essentially here, you have a kasha sukkah, what? What? Independent of the tree. So in that case, kshera, the sukkah is kasher, va'olin la biyamtiv. And you can even access it on yamtiv. Tab of chav gimel. Here the Mishnah says that zehaklal, this is the rule, kol shenital ha'ilon v'yichola la'amol bifne atzma, anytime you have a sukkah and the tree were to be removed, but the sukkah could still stand on its own, it's kasher, and halakha you could go into it on yamtiv. So we'll say a very simple klal, a, log- a very logical klal. Essentially, even if the sukkah is in the tree, but the sukkah doesn't need the tree, then essentially halakhically we view the tree as if it is not there. And therefore you could access that sukkah on yamtiv. But any time that, you know, we'll say, I want to be clear, how do you access the sukkah on yamtiv? How? Right, right, a lot. It doesn't, however you want to do it, you just can't use the tree. Right? You just can't use the tree. That's what it means when you access it on Yamtiv. But however, if the sukkah itself is dependent on the tree, or the tree ultimately supports the sukkah in some halachically critical way, then halachalamaisa, the sukkah cannot be accessed on Shabbos or Yamtiv. Beautiful. So also it says the Gimar. Mani Masnisin. Whose opinion is reflected in the Mishnah? To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva, he, it's Rabbi Akiva, this is a great, this is a great case. This Sanya, if a person goes ahead and makes a sukkah on the top of the boat, now remember again, I just want to mention again, Rashi pointed this out, 
The Mishnah doesn't say somebody makes their sukkah besvina on a boat. It's Davka saying beroshasvina. The imagery is on the highest part of the boat, where the boat itself, the sukkah itself, is exposed to all of the elements, and there is nothing to shield the sukkah. So what's the halacha? Rabbi Gamliel posts them. Rabbi Gamliel says that halacha lamaisa, the sukkah is possible. But Rabbi Akiva Machshir. Rabbi Akiva ever says that no, the sukkah will still be kasher. But it's a great story, listen to this. So Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva once traveling by boat. And it was sukkahs. Amit Rabbi Akiva. Va'asa sukkah barash asina. Rabbi Akiva, Kidarko, made a sukkah on the top of the boat. Lemachar nash baruach va'akarta. What happened? The next morning he woke up, and what happened? The wind had swept away the sukkah. This is great. Akiva, It's like Talmudic trash talk over here, right? So he goes, "Hey, Akiva, how's that sukkah doing?" Right, right. What happened? What happened? It's so funny. Wait, wait, where's, your, where's your sukkah? Where's your sukkah? Where did that sukkah go? So I'll say, so again, so obviously Rabbi Gabriel telling Rabbi Akiva, you, you understand why, why you're, now do you understand why you're wrong? So I'll say, so again, that's the story. That's the end of the story. So I'll say, the, the story just illustrates their respective shitas. The Rabbi Akiva holds that Allah Chalamai say you can go ahead and make a sukkah on the boat. Rabbi Gamliel holds that you can't. So the Mishnah, which obviously reflects the view that it is permitted to make a sukkah on Barosh Hasvina, reflects the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi says, Dikuli alma diabasha Well, says, now we're going to analyze this. In the Shita, now obviously, Rabbi Gamliel holds in general, well, let's see, Abai comes to qualify the Machlokas, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva. So listen to this, Abai says as follows, everyone agrees in the following case, We'll say a sukkah has to be able to withstand what we call a Ruach Metsuya. Ruach Metsuya means a common everyday wind. Now, what the Gemara is focusing on is the following idea. Ruach Metsuya Diyabasha is different than Ruach Metsuya Diyam. Right? A regular everyday wind on land is going to be different than everyday wind on the ocean or on the sea, on water. So Rabbi is like this. Everyone agrees that if your sukkah cannot withstand a Ruach Metsuya of the Abasha, a regular everyday wind on land, the sukkah is not kosher. Sukkah is not kosher. Okay, lo klamu. Yichol alamo b'she'ina metsuya diabasha kuli avala pligi dikshera. Certainly if a sukkah is so strong that it can go ahead and withstand what? A ruach she'ina metsuya, right, which is say a stronger wind of the abasha, of the, of the, of, of land. Everyone agrees the sukkah is kosher. In other words, that's a seriously durable sukkah that has the ability to go ahead and withstand a ruach she'ina metsuya, an uncommon wind of the Abasha. Right? Ki pligi, so we'll say, where does the machlokis come up? This is really very interesting. Ki pligi, b'diyechola la'amod beruach metsuya di Abasha, ve'ena yechola la'amod, and I will say here, the, the Hagos Fitzhudim changes this, to ruach metsuya diyam. So we'll say, here's the machlokis case, between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Gamliel. What happens if a sukkah, is strong enough to withstand a ruach mitsuya of the land, so a common everyday wind of the land, but is not strong enough to withstand a ruach mitsuya diyam. 
right? A strong wind of the sea. That's the machlokes. Rabbi Gamliel Savar, sukkah diras kava ba'inan. Rabbi Gamliel says, a sukkah, see what's here's what's interesting. Rabbi Gamliel holds that a sukkah has to go ahead and be a diras kava. Now I will say, diras kava in, the, in this model means, Rabbi Gamliel will say a sukkah has to be a diras keva. Then I will say, now, that's not literally a diras keva, because remember, everyone's agreeing, what's the roof of your sukkah going to be? <laughs> Which by definition is highly impermanent. Rabbi Gamliel means, his definition of keva means that wherever your sukkah is situated, it has to be able to withstand a ruach mitsuya. So if it's situated on land, it's a ruach mitsuya of the land. If it's situated at sea, it's a Ruach Mitsuya of the sea. Of the sea. And therefore, again, according to Rabbi Gamliel, if you go ahead and you build, you could build a sukkah on a boat. So you will say, here's what's interesting. Because when you read the Brisa before, we assume that Rabbi Gamliel just, just straight out apostles the Ruach Mitsuya of a boat. But it turns out that's not the case. I should say differently, that Rabbi Gamliel apostles a sukkah on a boat. It turns out Rabbi Gamliel doesn't apostle a sukkah on a boat. He just requires that what? If you build it on the boat, it has to be able to withstand the Ruach Mitsuya of the sea. Rabbi Akiva Sav, Rabbi Akiva on the other hand holds, no, Sukkah dirasarai, Sukkah is just a, a temporary dwelling. But you know, the Cheivan la'ama Ruach Mitsuya diabasha Ksheira. And as long as the Sukkah is able to withstand a normative wind, a normative wind on land, which is the normal common place to go ahead and build the Sukkah, that is going to be enough. So we'll say a really fundamental machlokes. So the real fundamental machlokes is a sukkah diras keva or a sukkah diras arai. And we'll say, now for the first time, for the first time we actually understand what that machlokes is. If you hold that sukkah is a diras keva, a more permanent structure, like Rabbi Gamliel, what that means is wherever you build your sukkah, your sukkah must be able to withstand a ruach mitsuya. That's the definition of diras keva on a most basic level. You're building it on the land, right, Ruach Mitsuya on the land. You're building it at sea, Ruach Mitsuya at sea. Rabbi Akiva says, no, it's Dirasarai. So what does Dirasarai mean? Dirasarai means that it has to be able to withstand a Ruach Mitsuya where? Where? Land. Land. And I will say, here's what's fascinating about this. So according to Rabbi Akiva though, you can build a sukkah on the boat, even though you know what? Even though you know what? that chances are it's not going to stand. The Jabot says it's a pretty incredible thing. Why? Because since it could stand on land, that's enough. That's enough. You know, I will say, it's, it's an interesting, if you think about this, even from like a Hashkafic perspective, it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea about, about what, what, almost like in human resiliency, what they're arguing about. Right? In other words, that how strong is a person expected to be in life? How strong am I supposed to be in life? Sir Gamliel says, look, there are winds and there are forces that act against us all of the time. So whether you're Bayam or you are Bayabasha, in life you have to be strong enough to always counter the Ruach Metsuya. There's always going to be a Ruach Metsuya wherever you are. There are. No matter what you want to accomplish in life, there are always going to be forces that are acting against you. Those are the Ruach Metsuyos in life. And you have to be strong enough wherever you are, to stand up to those Ruach Metsuyos. Rabbi Akiva says, most of us are not that strong. Most of us could go ahead and stand up to the Ruach Metsuya of the Abasha, 
but they can't stand up to the Ruach Metsuya of the sea. And Rabbi Kiva says, that's okay. That's okay, because no person could be strong enough to be able to withstand all circumstances. You just have to be strong enough to be able to withstand normative circumstances. An incredible yisod, but the common denominator, at least hashkapically, between Rabbi Gamil and Rabbi Akiva, is in life, there's always a Ruach Mitsuya. Rabbi will say, sometimes we have this idea, we have this expectation, and it's, it's I think, one of the most fatal expectations in life, that life is supposed to be serene, smooth sailing, that everything is supposed to go okay, and especially if I'm doing the right thing, everything is supposed to fall into place, everything is supposed to be fine, and when I encounter resistance, when I encounter resistance, somehow it's like, what's wrong? What's going on over here? And it creates such a profoundly false expectation in life. It's important to remember, there's always a Ruach Metsuya. There's always a Ruach Metsuya in life. The Shaila just is how strong the Ruach Metsuya is there's always resistance, there's always challenge, there's always difficulty, there's always adversity. On the yam it looks one way, on the abash it looks a different way. So when you encounter friction in life, don't look at it as that you're doing something wrong, but recognize that is the normative darach hachayim. So machlokis, not just, machlokis, not just in sukkah, but a machlokis in how strong do we have to be as individuals? Rabbi Gamil is one model, Rabbi Kiva is another model, also makes sense that it's Rabbi Akiva's model that in life you only have to withstand a Ruach Metsuya Diyabasha, right? Because Rabbi Akiva is always one of being Malame Tzchos on everyone for everything. Incredible Yisod. In any event, Gemara goes right there. Oh, Gabi Gamos. We'll say that's the, that's the Sina case. What about on the camel? What about on the camel? So Masnis in money. We'll say whose opinion does the Mishnah reflect? Rabbi Meirhi. Desanya Ha'osa Sukasa Gabi Behema. Well, see, these are great cases. So what happens? A person makes a sukkah on top of an animal. Rabbi Meir, machshir, Rabbi Huda posel. Right? Rabbi Meir says, Rabbi Meir says that it's kosher. I'm sorry. How is it? Rabbi Meir, machshir. If you make your, if you make your sukkah on the back of an animal, Rabbi Meir says it's kosher, and Rabbi Huda says that it's posel. My time to read. I was saying, obviously, the Gemara understands that the discussion, even though the Mishnah, um, What's the word? Um, lumps. You know, sukkah on svina and on behema as one. Obviously, then it's not the same issues, right? The svina, the svina is one of ruach, is one of wind. Obviously, the behema both say that's not the case. So, what's the problem with the behema? So, both say so again. We have we now have a brisa. In the brisa, Rabbi Meir says sukkah al gabe gamal sukkah on top of your camel is going to be kosher. Rabbi Huda says it's possible. My time is Rabbi Huda. Why does Rabbi Huda say that it's possible? Amarkra. Because we will say the Pasuk says that what? The Vyamtav of Sukkis you have to make for you, right? Or I should say, Vyamtav of Sukkis you have to make for yourself seven days. What does Rabbi Huda Darshan from this? Sukkah, Haru'uya Lishiva, Shma Sukkah. A Sukkah that is fit for dwelling for seven days is a Sukkah. She'en Haru'uya Lishiva, Lo Shma Sukkah. And therefore, a sukkah that's not fit for seven days is not a sukkah. They're both saying, is the sukkah built on top of the camel fit for seven days? The answer is, it's at, it's at most, at most, fit for six. Right? Because remember, again, assuming that the first day of Yantiv falls out on Shabbos. Right? So they only have one, and it's only one day Yantiv. Right? So again, at most, it's fit for six. So you don't have a sukkah, haruuya l'shiva. Look at Rashi, haruuya l'shiva. The 
Then we'll say again, So Rashi's not even counting Shabbos over here. But again, once Chazal said you can't go and go on an animal on Shabbos and Yom Tiv, you can't even use your sukkah on the first day of Yom Tiv. On the first day of Yom Tiv. So we'll say, understand, the Gemara is presupposing a number of different things. Number one, that Shabbos and Yom Tiv are falling out on the same day. Number two, that there's only one day of Yom Tiv. And number three, that no one sits in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeres. Right, they just want to point out all that. No, no, because remember again, the fact that we sit in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeres is a function of Sveika de Yomo. It's a function of Gavos, second day Yom Tiv, right? So the, the Gemara is presupposed not, not, none of that exists at the time that the Gemara is having this discussion, which is really quite fascinating. And then we will say, isn't this an incredible Yisod that you have to build a sukkah haruya l'shiva? A sukkah, we'll say, think about this for just a moment. Because even meaning in general, Rabbi Huda holds, Rabbi Huda happens to hold that sukkah is diras keva. But just think about this in just a moment. If you go with the idea that sukkah is diras arai, a temporary dwelling, the temporary dwelling has to be fit for seven days. Which I will say also is an incredible yusot if you think about it in life. That a person, however, we'll come out to it. I'll just, I'll just plant this seed. You know, we, we often in life get into this, get into this tug of war between planning for the future and maximizing the present. And there is a constant tug of war. So it's interesting that, that Rabbi Huda is saying that when building your diras arai in life, when building your temporary dwelling, you could think ahead a little bit. How much do you have to think ahead? Seven days. <laughs> Seven days. D don't get caught up in too much future planning because you run the risk of fundamentally cheapening your present existence. To engage in no level of future planning, of course, is short-sighted. But again, you want to build your dirasarai, you want to build your temporary dwellings, your present dwellings, shiva. think seven days ahead. A little bit ahead is good. Too much ahead, maybe an exercise in futility. Not ahead at all is simply short-sighted. So we'll say that she does Rabbi Huda. So the Gemara said, Rabbi Meir. So, we'll say, so again, so remember again, we've got Rabbi Huda says that if you build your sukkah on top of the camel, it is possible. Why? Because according to Rabbi Huda, the sukkah must be ra'uya l'shiva. You need it to work for all seven days, and obviously in this case, if it's on animal, it doesn't. I, so Rabbi Meir says it's kosher. I, Rabbi Meir, right? So Rabbi Meir, what does Rabbi Meir do with this? The drasha is a good drasha that you need a sukkah. We'll say, even without the drasha, even without the drasha, it seems to be intuitive that in order for your sukkah to be kosher, it has to be able to service you when, when, right, when. We'll say, the truth is, I would even make the argument, even if it doesn't service you seven days, it's got to at least service you when? The first day. The first day is the da'oraisa. So how can you have a sukkah? We'll say, remember again, you're building this great sukkah on top of the camel. The only thing is, just can't use it the first day yandu. Oh, and by the way, the only time there's a mitzvah da'ara is at the sit in the sukkah is when? The first day yamtiv. So it's very intuitive. How can you build a sukkah? How can you build a sukkah that Allah you can't use when there is a mitzvah daraisa? Mechzachazya. So what's Rameer gives an interesting answer. Rameer says, the truth is, let's just remember, this sukkah is kasher or shiva. Right? Midda the sukkah is absolutely fine. There's a rabbinic gzeira that prevents you from using it ultimately again one of the days. But Lamais Rabbi Meir says you can't tell me the sukkah's puzzle because midda oraisa it's absolutely fit. But Rabbanan who the gazruba 
And the Rabbanon ultimately, again, are the ones who stepped in and made Xerah. So again, we will say, Rabbi Meir might tell you practically, this is not the best way to make a sukkah. But Lamaisa, if this is what you did, it's still a sukkah kshera. Even though Rabbi, Rabbi Meir will agree that what? You can't use it on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. But it's still considered to be a sukkah haru'uya l'shiva. Because midar, I said, is ru'uya l'shiva. It's just midar, and you can't use it. But also listen to this next case. Now, these are all related cases. What happens if you made an animal, you used an animal as a wall for the sukkah? So we'll say, again, once again, not a metaphor, just quite literal. You're just putting an animal by a wall of the sukkah. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Meir, post Rabbi Huda Machshir. Rabbi Meir says, it's puzzle. Rabbi Huda says, it's kosher. Rabbi Meir Omer, So because Rabbi Meir holds in general, you cannot use a living thing for the following, for the following purposes. In Osin also, low dolphin lusoka, you cannot use something that is living as a wall for the sukkah. Below lechi la mavui, you can't go ahead and make it as a lechi for a mavui. Right? I guess so we'll say, I guess if you can imagine, let's say you have a snake or something, right? And you, you extend it as your lechi for the mavui. I would actually, that would, that would be your kora, right? You can't, you can't put an animal as your, as your lechi or your kora, right? Below pasi labiraos. Most remember again, pasi labiraos. We've had this a number of times. That is the diumadin, the perpendicular posts, right, that are situated around the well, right? Remember, again, very quickly, well is Roshos HaYachid, you need to draw water, Bepashto Sawal is situated in Roshos HaRabim, how do you draw water? So Chazal relaxed the standards for enclosures for the purposes of getting water on Shabbos, and they allowed you to put up these perpendicular one amma by one, one amma by one amma posts situated in all four corners, called diyumada, and that's considered to be an enclosure. So you can't use animals or anything that has life for the diyumadin. Below Goda Lekever, nor can you use something that is living as a grave cover. And Rabbi Yossi Aglili adds in over here, by the way, you also can't write a get, right? A divorce document on anything that is alive. So my time with Rabbi Meir, what's Rabbi Meir's logic? So I'll say, so again, now Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir precludes the use of, of an animal or any living thing for all of these purposes, but let's focus on sukkah right now. Rabbi Meir says, you can't use an animal as a dolphin for your sukkah, as well for your sukkah. What's the reason? So I'm sorry, my time Rabbi Meir, Abaye Omar, Shema Tamos. It's a very simple issue. Rabbi Meir is afraid that the animal may die. Now look at Rashi. Shema Tamos, Rashi says, Habehima Biyomtiv, Vitipal, Vein Kan Dofen, Vinim Tsabatl, Mimitsa Sukkah. So I'll say, listen to this. So the Gemara says, very simple. Rabbi Meir says, I don't, I don't conceptually have a problem with using something that is alive to function as a wall. The problem is if it dies, if it dies, both say the assumption is if it dies, it's not going to be standing anymore as a wall, and you've lost your wall. You've lost your wall, and if you lose your wall, you no longer have your sukkah. Very simple. Rabbi Zera Amar, Shema Tivrach. Rabbi Zera says, I agree, Rabbi Meir, that you also can't use a living animal as a wall, but for a different reason. Why? Maybe it'll run away. Maybe it'll run away. So we'll say, what's the nafkamina? Listen to this. This is great. The peel kasher. We'll say, let's say you have an, an elephant that is tied down, right? A tied down elephant. So the Gemara says, the peel kasher, kuli amalopligi. Everyone agrees that that should be fine for sukkah. 
right? The Gemara says, and by the way, if you do that, you do not need any decorations. By the way, that's, that's no plastic fruit for you that year. You are good. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, so I'll say, this is great. See, if you're using an elephant, an, a tied-down elephant for one of your walls, everyone agrees your sukkah is kasha. Why? Because we'll say, what's the worst-case scenario? If the elephant dies, if the elephant dies, it still has the requisite height. See, I'll say, by other animals, if it dies, the concern is if it kills over, right? Well, if it dies and it kills over, you're not going to have the requisite height of your sukkah. With an elephant, apparently, even if it dies, you'll still have the requisite, you could use its carcass as a wall, and ultimately it still has the requisite height. Keeply, you see where does the machlokis come up? Bepil she'eno kasher. Ultimately, again, with an, with an unanchored, an unanchored elephant. So according to the opinion who says that the reason you can't use an animal as well for the sukkah is because maybe it'll die. So that's not really a concern over here. Why? Because even if it dies, you still have the requisite height of the carcass. But according to the opinion who says that we are concerned, lest the animal run away, ultimately, again, there is a concern because the elephant could still run away. But I just want to point out that these cases sound ridiculous to us. But if you think about this, from the perspective of a, a shepherding perspective, again, I don't know if people are shepherding elephants, but 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 Lamaisa, think of this for just a moment, you're shepherding, you're in the field, the ability to use livestock to create a sukkah, to create a sukkah could actually be very beneficial. Just, just pointing it out. This not, it, I, don't, I don't know that it's as far-fetched as it sounds to us. In any event, the Gemara says, So according to the opinion who's, who's concerned that the animal might die, doesn't he also have the concern that the animal may run away? In other words, they're not mutually exclusive concerns. Rather, we'll say everyone agrees that if you're using an elephant that is not tied down, that the elephant is not kosher for a mechitza because it can run away. Rather, we'll say the issue is with another animal, not an elephant, that is tied down and you want to use as the wall for your sukkah. So let's say if you have another animal that's tied down, so according to the opinion, you have to be concerned the animal may die. That's a concern, because if the animal dies, plus you falls over, you no longer have the requisite height for your wall. But according to the opinion, it says that you have to be concerned the animal may run away. Obviously, if the animal is tied down, there is no concern of running away. We'll say first white line on the bottom. But according to the opinion, who's concerned that the animal may run away, is he also not concerned that the animal may die? To which the Gemara says, Misa lo shechicha. We'll say it's such a fascinating statement. Death is not common, which is quite a fascinating statement. They will say, what does it mean death is not common? Death is actually pretty common, right? It's, it's, it's right? It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty common. Uh, um, so we'll say, so, so what, what's, what's the pshat? What's the pshat? So what that means, Misa lo shechicha, is we're not choshesh that something is going to die. Again, we'll see this concept in just a little bit. But in general, essentially what we say is in life, something that is alive has a cheskas chayim, has a chazaka of being alive. And that chazaka of being alive is there until when? Until it's dead. Right? That's the way it works. That's the misal So we'll say, listen to this. We'll come back to that. The Gemara asked another question. If you're using an animal as a wall, don't we have another problem? So we'll say, we've taken care of the problem of Shema Tivrach. Right? How do you take care of Shema Tivrach? Maybe we'll run away. How do you take care of that? Tie it down. We've taken care of Shema Tamos. How do you take care of that? We're not Choshesh for Misa. Here's another issue. Vayikar Ravcha de Beni Beni. 
Well, say, what about the space by the animal's legs? In other words, an animal, right, the animal has a body, and then it has legs, right? And also you have this entire open area underneath the animal. Now, you can't say love it, right? Why can't you say love it? Right? Because at the end of the day, it's more than three tefachim. Again, unless, you, unless you're using an animal that is very low to the ground. But you have this entire open space on the bottom of your wall. What do you do with that? The Lord says, no problem. You make a little wall. You make a little wall out of, out of palm branches. Right? By the legs of... First of all, at this point, just get a tarp. Just get a tarp. Right? Ridiculous. Some people do to save money. Right? They'll say, so, so again, so here's it's just interesting over here. So you're, you're, you're tying your poor animal. You're tying this. This is not a PETA, PETA friendly daf, by the way. I just want to find this. So I'll say, so you're going ahead, you're, right, you're tying down the animal, and you're putting essentially a wall made out of palm fronds by the, by the feet of the animal as well. The Imar says, I, the Dilma Rava. So maybe the animal's going to crouch. I was going to say, don't you have a concern about the animal crouching down? And if the animal crouches down, then what? First of all, it'll crush the wall. And then when it gets back up, you no longer have, have a wall. This is great. No, no, no. You're holding the animal up with cords from above. So I'll say, this is a whole stage production now, right? This is like mamasha. Again, I'll say, you understand, whenever the Gemara does this, this obviously, no one's doing this. No one's doing this. The Gemara is just trying to construct a case in which you could potentially use an animal as a wall. Doing it like this is ridiculous. But Lamaise, all the Gemara is trying to highlight is there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. Say, you know, sometimes the halachic process shows you something can be done, even though we know it's not going to be done. Oh, well, once you're talking about holding up animals with cords from above, that should obviate the concern that the animal may die as well. Because what was the whole concern with Shema Thomas, the animal may die, is that it crumples over and no longer have the requisite height. Well, if the animal is being held up with cords from above, then Lamaise, even if the animal does die, it's not going to crumple over. It's being held up. Does, does that not help? To which the Gemara says, listen to this. Because I'll tell you why. Sometimes when you're making, an, when you're using an animal as a dolphin, as a wall, the way you do it is as follows. You know the halach of Lovud, and Lovud says that what? Lovud says that as long as your animal, your animal wall is within three tfakim of your schach, you're good to go. That's fine. But what could happen, right? What could happen? The chevan, amud beis, amud beis. The chevan demaisa kavtsa v'lavadaite. What's the concern? The concern about says as follows. You set up your animal wall again, I've also with all of the different things. Remember again, this is a complicated thing. First of all, you're tying the animal down. Second of all, you're anchoring it with cords from above, to hold it up. Third of all, you're making a little wall by the feet. Now, in, in addition to all of that, by the way, you're also using lovud, right? And that's why, again, the animal reaches within three tefachim of the schach itself. So I, what's the concern? The concern is like this. When the animal dies, even though, or if the animal dies, even though the cords are holding it up, we'll say, what happens? By definition, the animal dies. It, I don't know what the technical term is. It, 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 sing, it collapses. So again, the cords are holding it up, but there is some level of collapse that's occurred. Therefore, if you were relying on lovud to connect the top of the animal to the schach, let's say it was within the three tefachim mark, when that animal collapses down, even though it's being held up, it may be more than three tefach away from the schach. If it's more than three tefach away from the schach, then what? The dolphin no longer connects with the schach. If the dolphin doesn't connect with the schach, 
then you don't have a kasha sukkah. But because we may be dealing with such a small, almost indiscernible amount, you may not even recognize that that in fact occurred and may be sitting in a sukkah that is puzzle, but you actually think that it's kasha. Okay, so it says, so that's all the ways you can go to make this sukkah kasha. The Gemara just says, by the way, umi amara baye, umi amara baye, Rabbi Mer Rabbi Says, let's go back for just a moment. Because remember, again, part of this machlokes hinged on this arichoshesh for Misa or not. Right? Do we have to be concerned about death? About death or not? So the Gemara says, say, the Rabbi Meir is the one who is concerned for death, and Rabbi Huda is not. Both say, listen to this case. But now we learned. Bas Yisrael, Shanisei is the Quran. And Kohanic family, she has married her husband who is a Kohen. Now remember again, one of the perks of marrying a Kohen is you get to eat Truma. You get to eat Truma. So here's the case. Woman, Bas Yisrael marries a Kohen. Vahalach Baila, Lamedina Sayam. And what happened? Her husband went overseas. So what's talacha? Ochelas betruma becheska shukayim. Now, Bose, here's the interesting shaila. Her husband went overseas. I should say, well, look, I don't know how, how does she know her husband's alive? How, how does she know her husband's alive? Now, Bose, remember, her only license to eat truma is why? Because she's married to a kohen, which means the moment that her husband dies or divorces her, for that matter, she can no longer eat truma. So her husband's gone overseas. Yet talacha is she's permitted to continue to eat the truma. But why? I, I, don't we have to be concerned that our husband's dead? To which the Gemara says, no, b'chezka shukayim. We operate with the chazaka, that the husband is still alive, and therefore she is permitted to go ahead and eat truma. Good. So we'll say, what do you see from that b'raisa, or from that mission? What do you see? That we're not choshesh from Isa. Right? That a person has a chazaka shukayim, and that chazaka of being alive remains with you until when? Until we know for sure that you're dead. So the Gemara says, v'raminan Allah. Now we contrast that with the following halacha. Let's listen to this case. Let's say a man says to his wife, and again, the same case of a man, a coin married to a Bas Yisrael, and he says to her, this is your get one hour before I die. So he gives her a get with a retroactivity clause that says, right, this is your get one hour before I die. Look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, third line down from the top, so we'll say in this case over here, where this case comes up is a man, let's say, is traveling. A man is traveling, he's going to be away. And what happens? He doesn't want his wife to run into any type of yibum situation. Again, they may be happily married. They may be happily married. And actually, he's totally barri, he's totally healthy. But he does not want her to have any chalitza situation. So he says to her, Here's your get, here's your get, and it'll be retroactively chal, retroactively valid, one hour before I die. So it turns out that when her husband dies, that triggers the retroactivity clause. It turns out that the get was valid an hour before, before the husband's death. And therefore, she's not an almana, she's not a widow, rather she is a grusha, and therefore not subject to ibum. So we'll say, what's talach in that case? Asura lecho betruma miyat. She's not permitted to eat truma immediately. In other words, we'll say, why? What do we have to be concerned about? What does it bring? That he's going to die any moment. He's going to die any moment. And remember, again, when he dies, when he dies, that triggers the get 
an hour earlier. So now the Gemara says she cannot eat truma anymore. So we'll say we, have a, we have contradictory Mishnayis, right? We have contradictory Mishnayis. One Mishnah seems to indicate that Allah if the husband, coin husband goes overseas, she could continue to eat truma because there's a chazaka that he's alive. We're not koshish from Misa. Second, Braisa, this is your get one hour before my death. Already, again, as soon as he makes that 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 that, that, tnai, that clause, ultimately she cannot eat truma, which sounds like, which not sounds like, which tells us we are koshish from Misa. So what's going on over here? It's not a contradiction, right? Rabbi Meir ultimately again one opinion, one the second brayso, second Mishnah reflects the view. I'm sorry, the first Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Meir, who's not choshesh for Misa, and the second one reflects the view of Rabbi Hudo is choshesh for Misa. And I saying, I just want to point out. Therein lies the contradiction, right? Because remember, we were quoting Rabbi Meir before us saying Rabbi Meir is Choshesh from Isa and Rabbi Huda is not. And now we just said this is Rabbi Meir who is Choshesh from Isa and Rabbi Huda is not. So that's, we have a steer now between the Shittas, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda. But one more piece, Disanya. Where do we see their respective Shittas? Here we go. So we've seen this case many times throughout our journeys in Shas. Halokeach Gami Ben Akusim. Bosa, listen to this. I purchase wine from Kusim. Now remember again, Bosa, Kusim, they come up all the time. They're everywhere. Bosa, so again, remember who were the Kusim? They were resettled in Eretz Yisrael by Shalmaneser, the king of Ashur. There was, they were, they were non-Jewish. They were, they were a nation of idolaters. There was an outbreak of lions in Eretz Yisrael. They converted. They were subsequently found to be worshiping idolatry. So there was a whole shayla about the nature of their conversion, right? So Arkusim Jews, Arkusim not Jews, they were medactic in certain things, not medactic in other things. The point is, you buy wine from Akusi, you need to assume it's untithed, you need to retithe it. So watch this. Hello, Akusim. You bought wine from Kusim, and what? Omer. Now, the issue of here is as follows You want to drink the wine. Look at Rashi. Well, actually, not yet. Right? You want to drink the wine. Right? The problem just is you don't have the ability to separate a trumas and maestros right now from the wine. So what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Omer, shani truma. The two lugin that I will ultimately separate, they should be truma. Asara maiserishin. Another piece of maiserishin. Tisha maiser sheni. Nine parts of maiser sheni. Umechal vishose miad div Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi Meir says that Allah chalamaisa, you can go ahead and drink immediately. Now what's going to happen? Later on, you'll separate everything out. Later on, so I could, I could designate it now. I could designate it now. Separate it out later. And I will say, if you look at the last Russian now, vishose miad, so we'll say, so again, this of course gets into the Brera discussion as well. So the mayor says, I can, I'm on the road and I need to drink wine. Who doesn't need to drink wine on the road? So we'll say, so again, so I'm drink, what I want, but I have to separate out Trumas and Maestros. So I designate, I designate, and when I get home, I'll separate. And Brera says, that it's become retroactively clarified that what I separate now when I get home is what I designated before when I was on the road. These words are Rabbi Top top of Chav Dalar, we'll say. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon Osrin. Beit Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, all Aser. Now we'll say, now what does this have to do with anything? Look at the top Rashi. Rashi says, Osrin, Va'aminon Shema Yibaka Hanod, Velo Yavo Lide Brera. They both say, Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Shimon all say you can't do this. What are they concerned about? 
Machlokis about Breira. What are they concerned about? They're concerned that the, the barrel or the wineskin is going to break. And all the wine is going gonna, is gonna to be destroyed. And what's going to happen? It turns out that you drank wine, you drank untithed wine. Because now before you get home and have the opportunity to separate out the Trumas and Maestras, the wine is already gone. Now both say, yeah, why is this concern for us? We are equating, the Gemara is equating the concern of Shema Yibaka Hanod, that the wineskin would break, is the same thing as Shema Tomos, right? That a person may die. It's the same thing. Are you essentially, I will say, <laughs> are you Choshesh for things going wrong in life? Right? So Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon hold that Allah you have to be concerned that the wineskin of the barrel is going to break and before you get home, and therefore you will never actually have the opportunity to go ahead and separate out the Trumas and Maestras. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, We are Osrin, Brahmin, and Gizera Shemi Yibaka. I know they're concerned. Tap Rashi, They're concerned maybe the wineskin is going to break. Below Yavoli de Breira, Benimsa Shosa Tvalit. And it turns out they drank Teva. Alma, Rabbi Huda, Chayesh, Lebikiyas, Anod, the Choshekin Lemisa, Rabbi Meir Lochayesh. They probably say, What do you see from here? You see that Halacha Lamaisa, Rabbi Huda is the one who's concerned that the wineskin may break. By extension, he's the one who's concerned that people may die. By extension, he's the author of the Bryce who says that as soon as the husband, the Kohen husband says to his wife, that she can no longer go ahead and eat truma. Rabbi Meir, on the other hand, who says that you could do this arrangement with the wine skin, is the opinion who holds, we're not choshesh from Misa, we're not choshesh, the barrel's going to break, we're not choshesh that people will die. Hus- Cohen husband goes overseas, his wife could, could continue to go and eat truma, because Rabbi Meir is not choshesh lemisa. So, so now we've established this Rabbi Huda Rabbi Meir, the only problem is, the Shittos Rabbi Huda Rabbi Meir, as we just espoused here, contradicted Rabbi Huda Rabbi Meir said on Amadalaf. Because here what we just established is that Rabbi Meir holds, we are not Choshesh from Isa. Rabbi Huda holds, we are Choshesh from Isa. On Amadalaf, we said, Rabbi Meir holds that we are Choshesh from Isa. And Rabbi Huda holds that we're not Choshesh from Isa. To which the Gemara says, not a problem with this, will stop. Epoch, just switch the Shittos around. Rabbi Meir Chayesh Lemisa and Rabbi Huda Lo Chayesh Lemisa. Just change it around and read the Shita should read that Rabbi Meir is the one who is Choshesh from Isa and Rabbi Huda is not. We'll, say we'll stop over here for today, but I just want to point out we're stopping in the middle of that discussion. See, here's what we know there is a Machlokes Chayshin Lemisa or Lo Chayshin Lemisa. That is a Machlokes. Who holds what? Emirat Hashem to be determined tomorrow. Shkoya. Can we say that some of these fundamentals of the